good afternoon to all of our fellow health enthusiasts. My name is Aubrey Mast and I'm a professor of nutrition. This is a new podcast developed by my friend and colleague, Dr. Charles Benz, and we call this show Healing Trends with Dr. Benz. We search the internet every day to find the best scientific studies that can be used to improve the health of every interested person. You will not see many of these studies in the conventional media because most doctors do not have the time or the interest in finding them. And there are special interests that are also less than enthusiastic about knowing about these studies. Every week we will explore nutritional science that has the potential to prevent and even reverse 90% of chronic illness. This could save many lives and help to stop the healthcare crisis that will eventually bankrupt our country. This is frequently called functional medicine and it has been adopted by thousands of doctors as well as some medical schools and hospitals, including the Cleveland Clinic. Today's program is entitled The Threat of Drug-Resistant Germs. How are you, Charles? Oh, I'm fine, and I think we're going to finally live up to our reputation for scanning the internet to find out the latest science. This one (laughs) comes from uh, June the 9th, and the title is New Defense Against Bacterial Superbugs. Taking fish oil may reduce antibiotic resistance. And it was done by some scientists uh, in Australia. I think that the Australian National University and a few other uh, institutions there got involved in this. And uh, I think that's a, that's a great start for our, our discussion today because these superbugs, as they're often called, are potentially going to cause a real problem for us because it's becoming increasingly more difficult for antibiotics to actually do what they're designed to do because they're being overused. And just like the viruses are able to mutate and find ways to uh, go above and beyond and and, uh, still manage to do the things that they wanna do in their bacterial world, that's, that's happening now with bacteria and has been happening with bacteria for many years, decades in fact. And the list of antibiotics that are effective against different illnesses and problems has been shrinking year by year. And so these superbugs are a real problem. So if we can increase our antibiotic resistance a little bit by having some more fish oil in our diet, it sounds like that's one solution. Mm -hmm. Um, Has this been a topic that you've had to deal with in your academic world or your consulting world very much, uh, Aubrey? Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, I think we really look at it around with my clients and with my clients, I usually take the angle around what happens in the gut because of how much we are overexposed to antibiotics, whether that's from doctors giving out antibiotics unnecessarily um, or the, the antibiotics we're exposed to via the animals that we're consuming from dairy and cheese and meat products. Um, and in our water supply, the, you know, there's lots of research that has shown that there's antibiotics floating around in our water. So we're really overly exposed to antibiotics in numerous ways, which to me is also part of the reason why we see this antibiotic resistant bugs. And also I talk about it with clients and with my students about the role of soil. And so I love that that this uh, uh, research article is about fish oil. And then I think there's, last year there was some research that was published published around soil bound organisms. Um, And showing that, you know, a lot of our antibiotic resistance is festered in uh, 
fostered by the fact that we have diets that are really devoid in large amounts of bacterial colonies and large amounts of bacterial diversity. And so using the soil as a, a place of supporting the immune system, but then also decreasing our demand on being around an constant antibiotic exposure. Um, there's a great book that I'm reading right now that's called Pharmacology, and it's about this very concept around how does the, the health of a farm dictate the health of our bodies and what happens to these drug-resistant germs as we are exposed to an overabundance of drugs through water, through air, through animal consumption, and a lack of diversity. Yeah, you know, uh, I, you, you touched a nerve when you said uh, too many antibiotics are being uh, used. There's, there's books that have actually have been written, 300-page <laughs> books about the overuse of antibiotics. And one of the one of the cardinal sins uh, that that's, that's been reported uh, uh, in the last couple of years is that doctors are using these antibiotics when there's a viral infection, and it has no impact on it at all. And so, if doctors aren't able to figure that out, then you have to kind of be suspicious that they really don't have a clue uh, what the impact is of of what they're doing. And so it goes back to some of the other programs that we, we have where we talked about the importance of the microbiome. And I think we had one just a couple weeks ago on the gut. And people just aren't really paying attention to that. So, uh, to your point, they're not eating enough fermented foods. The, the bacteria in your gut love fermented foods. And so the, the recommendation that I saw in some of the articles was you should eat at least two fermented foods every day. And so that's sauerkraut, you know, and kefir and, and lots of other things that are fermented. You know the list even better than I do. But two a day, I mean, it just makes so much sense that that's the food for, for the bacteria in your gut. And one of the things that, that, that I love to report out is that as you age, your body actually makes less bacteria. And, and so it's not as active. It makes less enzymes. And so by the time you're 40 or 50, you're making 40 or 50% less uh, of the right bacteria. And that's where a lot of the problems start and less enzymes. So to me, taking a probiotic, uh, especially after the age of 40, just makes a lot of sense. But people get onto one probiotic and they continue to take that one for 10 years. Whereas it might have 10 strains in it, whereas your body has millions of, of, of bacteria and hundreds of different strains. So you should be rotating these different strains of the bacteria so that you use one group one month and another group the next month and another group the month after. That could be one of the best recommendations we make today is to get the variety and to get the, uh, the foods in there, the, the fermented foods in there. Are there any other cardinal rules that you want to add into that? Because I think you can help to frame this for me. I, I think I've got the basics, but maybe you can fine tune it a bit for me. Yeah, I mean, I really think that one of the most important things that I can say is not only um, to focus on fermented foods, but is to really connect in with your local food system. And so finding farmers that are growing organically and typically like biodynamic um agriculture is the reason why this is is because they focus on the soil and if the soil 
is full of nutrients and is bacterially diverse that transfers into the food that we're eating. And that's actually going to be filled with prebiotics, which prebiotics are what help form these probiotic colonies in our bodies. And so it can be helpful to supplement, but we really need that, that source, that foundation coming in through food. And the best sources of food are foods that are actually grown in diverse bacterial populations, which with soil that's extremely healthy. And that can be harder to come by because what we're buying in the grocery stores is not typically um, food that has that bacterial diversity that you would find if you were going to a local farmer's market or if you were growing your own food in amended soil. So I think that's the first part. And then to your point around, um, you know, uh, the prescribing antibiotics for viral infections, I think it's really important. My herbalist hat comes in right here and my culinary chef hat comes in right here where I go, okay, but... We know that there are foods that are antiviral and antibacterial um, and let's bolster our immune system with those so that we do not need pharmaceuticals intervention as, as much, right? And so the coincidences on the foods that I'm about to list with that are antibacterial and antifungal, they're also extremely rich in prebiotics. So they're going to help with that gut microbiome and that gut, the bacterial colonies that we need to be extremely diverse and very prolific to support our immune system. So some of the foods that are antibacterial and antifungal are going to be oregano, garlic, leeks. You have fennel in there, cayenne and cinnamon and Jerusalem artichokes, and there is some compounds that are found naturally um, in fennel. And so the list really can go on from thyme to rosemary, and then will act as a way of supporting your body's natural capability, because from an evolutionary standpoint, we have evolved, our evolution has coincided with being exposed to viruses and bacteria. That's how our immune system has had to evolve as the human species. And so supporting ourselves with prebiotic and probiotic rich colonies, using food as medicine, incorporating foods that we know are antibacterial and antiviral and antifungal when we need them is really essential alongside with connecting to those fermented foods and knowing the sources of our foods so that the sources, the sourcing of our food is going to have the most diverse nutritional density that we can possibly access. So uh, diversity, that means, you know, many colors and making sure some are probiotics and some are, are prebiotics and, you know, the, the fermented uh, fall into that. So really there has to be some planning here, doesn't there? I mean, people have to be mindful. They just can't say, well, I'm just going to eat what we've always been eating. If you're going to try to avoid the use of your antibiotics on your own, you've really got to try to find that organic farm you've really got to try to find these categories of foods and you have to make sure they're in your refrigerator and that you're using them on a regular basis. It's, is that, that's not okay. So I'm, all right, I'm with you on that. Now, uh, I don't know how you treat these infections when they come up, but I've had a couple of situations in my grandson's case where uh, he had a, a viral infection, a stomach viral infection that the doctor said, you know, this was this could be fatal. Uh, this was a very rare virus and uh, she had nothing to offer uh, because all she said was take some children's Tylenol and drink a lot of water. 
And, you know, my daughter-in-law was in tears, you know, and she said, what am I going to do? I said, well, I can tell you that vitamin C uh, in higher doses is a good solution to, for almost all viruses. Now, he was only six at the time and, you know, weighed, you know, 60 pounds or 50 pounds or something like that. So I had to adjust the high dosage, but it came out to about, you know, 250 milligrams every couple hours, every two or three hours. Anyway, I put him on this and... Um, Anyway, within a couple of days, this excruciating pain, which, which we, we didn't know what it was. It was finally diagnosed with this rare virus. Anyway, it was gone. He stayed on the vitamin C, not at that high dose, but continuing higher than normal dose for another week. And then she went to the hospital or went to the doctor and they tested him. The virus was gone. And uh, she told her what, uh, what she, my daughter-in-law told her what, what we had done. And she said, well, I never heard of that. Well, of course you never heard of that because you never got one course on how to treat viruses with natural with natural solutions. And the other thing that he uses, uh, you know, he, kids get ear infections. You know, I mean, it's just one of those things. But in in her case, she said, you know, what can I do? And I said, just put a couple of drops of nanoparticle colloidal silver in the infected ear. And, and have it just drain down, you know, just make sure he turns his head so that the silver gets in there. And within an hour, the pain was gone. And the next day when he woke up, he said, I feel better. And so there are solutions <laughs> out there, but you really have to search them. You know, you have to actually put in your Google search, natural solutions for bacterial infection or natural solutions to a viral infection. And they are there. But, but, but people have to know how to do that research uh, because everything I find practically is in the research that I do on the internet. So that's just a couple of ideas that, that, that I could throw out there. Um, I would also add a really strong antiviral, uh, which is olive leaf extract. Boy, I just love olive leaf extract. I mean, during the COVID, uh, when people would call and say, uh, or email and say, what, what, what should we do uh, if we get this virus? I would say high doses of vitamin C, high doses of vitamin D, olive leaf extract, zinc, and maybe some quercetin, which is also a very strong antibiotic. And uh, I think they get that from pineapple, uh, primarily. Uh, so there's lots of anti-inflammatories and antiviral things, and we've just touched on some of them. Uh, but... In almost every situation, there's a natural alternative. And a friend of mine, Dr. Zoltan Rona, actually wrote a book on natural alternatives to antibiotics. <laughs> and so if you can write a whole book about it, that means all these herbal solutions and all these other natural solutions that you and I were talking about, they're out there. You just have to find the sources of them and go after them. Um, is there anything else uh, that we should give as tips to to uh, um, to parents? Because I'm going to go back to the vitamin D3 levels. I think the immune system really is anchored on vitamin D3 and that there are, I don't know, 200, 2,000, there's so many genes that are affected by vitamin D3 that all these chronic illnesses uh, that can be prevented, the number one item that, that makes them preventable is usually vitamin D3. 
because it controls genetic predispositions. What people don't understand is when you, when you look at genes, 80% of genetic material is on and off switches. And so just picture a room with 80% with of the walls covered by on and off switches. And that would be your normal genetic material. And then take a look at the factors that uh, only one medication, one medication can handle one genetic predisposition. Whereas vitamin D3, hundreds. It can control hundreds of these genetic things. So that to me is the magic. You, you've got to turn off all these bad predispositions for disease and turn on the, the protective mechanisms in your immune system. And so vitamin D3 is the trigger. Is there anything else that kind of falls into the category of, of preventative? Because I, I'll go back to the testing, just not just for vitamin D3, but uh, I think children and, and all, all adults should, should get tested periodically with tests that go beyond the normal blood tests because they're just not testing enough things in order to really get a, a picture. We have an immune test, for instance, that has 10 things in it. So you get your vitamin C tested, CoQ10 tested because it determines how much energy your cells have. It tests your vitamin D3 levels and it tests your, uh, your immune system. This test is called the 8-OHGD test. It actually determines whether your immune system, uh, your DNA is being damaged by the pollution and other things that can damage your DNA. Well, if your immune system has to work overtime because it has so many other threats, then when a cold comes along, you're, you know, you're vulnerable. So people say, oh, well, I don't get a lot of colds and flu, but you know, I've been 40 years without a cold or flu. And I think it's because of the diet. And I don't know whether you feel lucky or whether you feel like you've also been protecting yourself. You know, I feel like I've been protecting myself, but I also teach people how to use food as medicine. And so, you know, that's, I'm protecting myself by supporting my immune system function. And to go back to podcasts we've recorded, I support my cellular and mitochondrial health. Um, and you have to do that in a multitude of ways, as we've discussed in, in today's episode. Um, it's not one quick fix, nor is it just, oh, well, I'm always going to rely on colloidal silver. I'm always going to rely on oregano oil or olive leaf extract. There is a time and a season for all of the well-established um, antibacterials and antifungals and antivirals. But there also has to be a willingness that you understand their role and you're willing to incorporate them into a healthy lifestyle and dietary pattern. I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about sugar for a minute, uh, because during this virus, this pandemic, um, a lot more was discussed about the impact of, of sugar on the immune system. And uh, what we learned was that vitamin C is really important for filling up the white blood cells and making them really strong. And white blood cells are about 40 to 50% of the strength of our immune system. But interestingly enough, the molecule, the sugar molecule, is very similar looking to the vitamin C molecule. So if you're not consuming enough fruits and vegetables, or even supplements with vitamin C in them, then the sugar molecule can fill that void. And you can have your immune system suppressed by as much as 
if you have the sugar in your white blood cells instead of the vitamin C in your white blood cells. And so one of the things that I recommend at the beginning of the pandemic, and I think I even wrote an article about it, like, uh, you know, don't kill your children with, uh, with too much sugar. And it wasn't an exact title, but it more or less was on that, in that vein that children need to really cut down on their sugar intake in order to strengthen their immune systems because we really need to get the fruits and vegetables and even the supplements in there to improve that vitamin C, that white blood cell level. And do you know, almost every one of these young people that I've been helping over the last month or two, when you look at their lymphocytes and their white blood cell counts, they're all low. And it's because they're not eating the right things and they're vulnerable. And so, uh, do, do you teach anything about sugar in, in your nutrition classes? I do. And I, you know, I, my opinion on sugar is that it's a poison and that it needs to be regulated and it needs to be completely banned because it is the cornerstone of eroding our immune system function and making us more susceptible to all chronic disease risk. Um, and I think we're extremely addicted to it in our country. And so we talk about it in all of my classes as it relates to heart disease and cancer and type two diabetes and Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's and autoimmune illnesses. And I literally could go on and on and on about how it disrupts every form of physiological functioning. Yes. And, you know, uh, because we haven't been taking care of the natural things that we can do to improve our immune system, that's when the antibiotics come in. And that's when the, the overuse antibiotics has led to mutations, which has led to these superbugs and the drug resistant germs. And uh, I, I think that prevention is the only way uh, that we're going to get over this. And I think we have to start really, as we've talked in other programs about getting the schools to not pay so close attention to the USDA pyramid and get the parents actually uh, t t telling the schools what the, what should be in those diets. Uh, there's a, there was a school district in Wisconsin, Appleton, Wisconsin, and they put all the kids with uh, uh, you know, emotional problems. <laughs> they, were the, they were the problem kids who were causing the outbreaks in all the classes. Anyway, they put them all together into one school. And then the, the local health food uh, store in town decided to give these kids a healthy breakfast and a healthy lunch. And within three months, the principal of the school said, for the first time in the history of the school, this was after about five years of experience with the school, for the first time in the history of the five years of the school, they had no emotional outbreaks. They had, they had no problems with the kids acting out and fighting and, and, and misbehaving. And they actually interviewed them. And, and, and this was a, a tape that I shared with Antonia Demas, who's this really great nutritionist from Cornell University. And uh, there were actually kids being interviewed and, and they said to Susie, well, Susie, how come your grades were D before and now they're like B's and A's? Oh, she said, I couldn't concentrate before. Uh, it was only good for about three or four minutes and then I had to think of something else. And then they asked Billy, you know, Billy, how come you don't fight anymore? Oh, Billy said, I just don't feel like it. <laughs> and so these kids one by one were explaining why they weren't causing all kinds of disruptions in the classroom. And it was all about the sugar. And uh, there's actually been some books written on this as well about uh, the sugar. And we actually had a judge 
in one of the districts, I forget whether it was Chicago or what, what the jurisdiction was. But anyway, this nutritionist got the judge to actually uh, get a suspended diet, uh, a suspended sentence for kids that were convicted of things where there was an emotional outrage or outbreak uh, if they went into this sugar counseling program and <laughs> got their sugar under control. And I thought, wouldn't that be great if every judge in the country was doing the same thing? Uh, there are so many reforms out there that, that, that could be done. I'm going to give you the last word. Any other reforms that you see out there that we should be pushing for? Because, you know, this is a program that's trying to get to the leading edge of things. So if you've got any reforms, Aubrey, now's the time. I mean, I agree with the sugar, and I mean, I think the whole, uh, well, I'm, we could be here a while, so no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it with the academics, with the education system needs major reform around teaching nutrition, physical activity, and overall a mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. That's fantastic. And I'm going to leave you with one other technology, and this was a technology that I found about, out about when I was doing a workshop in Aberdeen, Scotland. And there's a company there that actually hired me to come and do a workshop for the whole community. And they were actually developing a, a curtain that could be used in hospitals that would capture 99% of all bacteria in the hospital to be disposed of at the end of every day with new curtains going up. Wouldn't that be fantastic if we could finally get innovation to travel in two directions instead of the Americans thinking they have the solution to everything. Here's a little Scottish company in Aberdeen's, uh, Aberdeenshire, Scotland, and they're making this, this uh, thing. It's called, the company's called Biotechnics, and they're making this, and it's being sold all over Europe. It, it, they're having the, the biggest, biggest, the last three or four years has been the biggest push for them and their company is booming and we're trying to get them started here in the United States. It's been hard slug to get them uh, anchored here, but I think that would be one of the solutions because these super bugs, they happen as much in hospitals, if not more in hospitals than they happen anywhere else. So that's my pitch uh, for a technology mm -hmm. and I agree with all the ones that you naturally said. So. I like that. This was, again, one of those shows that just went fast. And I'd like to thank our sponsors <laughs> for hanging in there with us. <laughs> uh, first, we've got the Southern Trust Financial Planning Company doing more than just investing in your money and your, and your finances to make sure you have a good, healthy retirement. They're invest investing in your health, too. And I've been using them for 15 or 20 years as a health advisor for their clients. And I've also gone around the country and done many other financial planning organizations who once they heard about this program, they went, hey, we want that program too. But right now, the Southern Trust Financial Planning is the company that supports our show. So we're gonna give them the big plug. And this, you, can, you can work with them at a distance. You don't have to be located in Sarasota. And then there's DHA Labs and they're in the Chicago area. And again, you can, you can get their services in any state, uh, in any city. And they have the best, really most advanced biochemical and biomarker tests that you can find for the brain, the immune system, for cancer prevention, for wellness. I mean, they, they have every test imaginable. 
And they even support our artificial intelligence platform with uh, blood tests and genetic tests. So DHA Labs, great company, and I would recommend them for any organization or any individual that wants to have really great testing to find out what their health status is. And Paddock Pools, uh, I think they make the healthiest pools in the world. They, they have a technology which is like a vacuum extractor that takes chlorine gas off the surface of the pool. And by doing that, they increase the amount of oxygen that people breathe by up to 95%. And that's fantastic because that means it's going to reduce the risk of cancer from the chlorine and deficiencies like vitamin D3 and zinc. And so this is a fantastic technology. I hope every, every pool eventually gets it. But if you can look around the pools in your community and find one that has the paddock pools vacuum uh, extractor on it, that's going to be the healthiest pool to swim in. And finally, uh, MPB Health. MPB Health is a medical cost sharing company. And uh, this is a great solution to healthcare costs, which are going skyrocketing now. It's just crazy what's happening. And costs are going like double digit every day for lots of employers and individuals. And so medical cost sharing encourages people to be educated. Their members look at workshops and videos and other educational materials. They're trying to keep everybody healthy so that all their members are reducing their healthcare costs. And the, the, the sum and substance of this is that they get rate reductions of 30 to 50% lower than most health insurance companies. So MPB Health is really a good company that can help you as an individual or a small group or even a larger group to really bring your health care costs down. So I encourage you to look into their organization, MPB Health. So thanks again for the sponsors and thanks for Aubrey and thanks to Caitlin, who's our producer, and for helping us to keep track of everything and make sure everything gets done technically correct and is on the website for everybody to look at 24-7. Thank you, Caitlin, and thank you again, Aubrey, and we'll see you the next time.